Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hello, everyone. Dave Cole here with EMX Royalty Corporation. We're the royalty generator. We generate royalties uh, utilizing the prospect generation business model, as you've heard me discuss previously. That's our passion. But recently, we've become a good acquirer of royalties as well, pouring fuel on the fire. And uh, happy to be here with you today, Matt. David, welcome back. And I just need to say this. At last, at last, you've gone, you've spent that money that was burning a hole in your pocket. The amount of times we've had questions going, what's he going to do with that cash? When's it going to happen? And I think I must have asked you every time I've spoken to you. So mm -hmm. uh, well done. Well done. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Why SS? Up the champagne bottles after it closes. Well, yeah, you, you, when's, we've got another, what, f month or so? Yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Um, let, let's, let's talk about it. In fact, that's all I want to talk about today, actually, because um, I think it's a really good deal for you guys, but I'm just, mm -hmm. I want to understand some of the moving parts, if, if, if I may. So how long has that conversation been going on? Yeah, it's, it's been going on quite some time. And they, Scotiabank was the broker representing SSR. Uh, we actually contacted SSR because we have continued discussion with them um, inside Turkey, outside Turkey, showing them um, our generative product. And I've got good relationships with their vice president of exploration, who's a Turkish gentleman I've worked with for a very, very long time. And we suggested to them, you guys should sell your royalties. You should sell them to us. And they said, that's a great idea. We'd love to. However, we need to run through a process to make sure we get a fair price for them. And they did. They had Scotiabank do that. Um, uh, we have a good relationship with Scotiabank and, and uh, I, I will say there's a pleasure to work with Scotiabank and a pleasure to work with SSR and we're delighted to have them as an incipient 12% shareholder in EMX. Okay, yeah, their headline is very different from your headline. They're talking about this $100 million deal. So for their shareholders, it sounds fantastic. You're a little bit more demure. So why don't you tell people about the, the, the deal terms? And then uh, maybe we can get into the why if it's structured like that. So both press releases are factually accurate. Um, it is a $100 million deal. Uh, we went into greater detail explaining how that $100 million come to fruition. It's $33 million in cash USD from EMX to SSR at close, in addition to $33 million USD in shares, which will be 11 or 12% pro rata depending upon our share price during the VWAP period, which is forthcoming. Then in addition, there's a $34 million sequence of payments that are made um, as the Yeni Pazar project is fully de-risked. Okay, so um, you're all out of cash now, aren't you? That will take us right down to, yeah, close to zero, which is why we put in place the $10 million facility from Sprott. And Sprott's been a long-term, this is Sprott Global. Um, Sprott Global's been a long-term capital partner of ours, very supportive. They lent us money when we uh, when we needed a little bit of cash before we closed the Russia deal, as an example, to get that one across the finish line at very favorable terms. They've done that here again. Uh, we find them uh, to be supportive capital partners. Yeah, let's let's talk about the construct of of, of this because um, you've got some development assets, you've got some resource stage assets, you've got some exploration stage assets in that in that portfolio. The development stage assets all sit within a private company. Now, when we've talked to uh, royalty companies in the past, some of them have suffered where the counterparty is, you know, the, the, the assets sitting within a private company because there's no market face to it. 
you can't, you don't know what's going on and very little information is forthcoming. And you have got to be quite careful about what you say too. So are you, are you cautious, are you, are you nervous at all about how you deal with that? So, yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head and, and congratulations to you to figure that out and a good way to make me squirm. So <laughs> the, the so this is one of the Achilles heels of Emax's whole portfolio because we have a major asset that's being batched by Xinjiang Mining, Chinese company. They have a website. They announce reserves and resources on their website, but they do not meet 43101 standards. Therefore, I'm not allowed to talk about them. And the same thing with Balia, which is a private company, which is advancing the very large uh, uh, lead zinc silver deposit with a 5,000 ton per day mill. Private company in Turkey, they don't have to meet 43101 standards. Therefore, I'm not allowed to talk about the resource. So we're, we're deeply familiar with this. Uh, and, and this is one of the key aspects why EMX, uh, in my opinion, remains uh, undervalued. And uh, that will be unlocked when we show the cash flow from these things. And, you know, because we can talk about the checks we get and we will get them. And that, so it's at that point in time, but you're hundred percent correct. You know, this is not a public company operating a gold mine um, in a Western country that meets US and Canadian law with respect to their disclosure. And we can give accurate forecasts with respect to production profiles from a bankable feasibility study. I will say that the Getatepe mine of which we're obtaining a 10% royalty on the oxide cap and a 2% royalty in perpetuity on the sulfide zone uh, that does have a 43101 document filed by a previous operator, a predecessor company to SSR Mining. And your listeners and people interested in EMX can, on their own, research that document. Okay, next thing I want to, do, I want to talk to you about that, with uh, about Gitabi, because 10% NSR, I appreciate it's at the oxide, presumably that means obviously near surface, so that's the stuff they're going after first, right? Um, but 10%, sometimes that puts companies off from going after that. They may want to have a conversation with you because that could be all of their profit. So SSR it was a predecessor company to SSR that actually designed this. And that was a key component to the price when they sold their interest in that operation to uh, Lydia, who was the operator there. And the reason why they, they, they weighted heavily um, the near-term production from the oxide cap, because it's a very enriched gold silver zone that has very high profit margin within that oxide cap. So that's where they could afford to pay a large royalty. And then when you get into the sulfide, which has a higher cost of production, it's more complicated, the royalty goes to 2%. So it was actually designed carefully and astutely so that the seller could get what they were looking for without encumbering the economics of the mine. So what does the, what's the ratio between the oxide and the sulfides then in terms so the of oxide, dollar so value? The oxide, yeah, so, so the oxides in the first three years of production, and, and um, I can't say what the exact number that we anticipate from that, but it's double digit millions of dollars per year coming to EMX right away. Okay, so three three years on the oxide, what's the life yep. of mine on the rest of it? So um, I, you have to check the 43101 document filed by the predecessor company, uh, but it should be well, you know, nice long lift mine. Okay, and um, same with um, uh, Yeni Pazar as well. You're sitting mm -hmm. between a, a six and a ten percent NPI on that. So again, is that is that it's been constructed by as part of the same deal or separate deal? Absolutely, part of the part of the same portfolio. Okay. Got it. Being sold by SSR, uh, but because it is an NPI, which which is net profit interest royalty, and we all know that net profits interest royalties. Um, are subject to greater dispute and subject to greater um, um, variables that can be worked 
And so if the mine is not profitable, you know, if they have a bad year or metal prices go down or whatnot, then you're not going to get paid. Therefore, there's much greater risk in an NPI than there is in an NSR. And that is why the payment structure for that royalty, which, which actually we anticipate it's going to pay very, very, very nicely because we do expect it to be a very profitable operation. Uh, but the payment structure for that is requiring that the project is completely de-risked before we pay. So at construction, $2 million in EMX stock gets paid to SSR. Um, at production, another $2 million in stock is paid to SSR. After the royalties paid $10 million US dollars, then we pay SSR another $15 million. And after it's paid another $10 million, $20 million total, then we pay the balance of the $34 million, which is $15 more. So the most that we would ever be out of pocket um, as that de-risking occurs and it proves that this is a cash-flowing, profitable operation, will be $14 million is actually the maximum that we would have out, even though the headline number is 34. Right. Okay. See, that's interesting because you've got, you got um, two, two lots of um, contracts in, in a way here because the yeah. you've got private company whose information you need to rely on. I'm sure they're audited and all of that kind of good stuff, but mm-hmm. with an NPI, the company determines what profitable means, right? There's a little, little bit of that. There's a little bit of wiggle room for them. Right. Um, and then there's the, you know, I don't want to say that specifically about this counterparty. We sure. think this counterparty is a very reputable group. Sure. But just broadly looking at MPIs across the whole industry, they uh, are subject to greater dispute than NSRs. Just put I, it that way. I know you, you, you put it politely, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. saying it more overtly, which, which is sure. there's a, there's a, there's, there's, there's a kind, there's a kind of trust required, but you know, and I know, private companies have a little—I say—a little bit more wiggle room on on what costs get attributed where. And you, how how do you monitor that? What what can you put into place? I, I get the bit at the back end where you're saying, "Well, look, it, it, we, we don't have to pay money too much money out until we've had money in." That's great, but also at the front end, you've also got you know every dollar counts. You you've got to put processes in place. How do you do that? Oh my goodness me. So we've got we've got a, a, a team of, of folks uh, that humble me with respect to their deep knowledge of engineering, mining finance, and metallurgy, and Turkey uh, specifically, uh, as well as elsewhere in the world, that hyper analyze this stuff, you know, and uh, uh, and and you know, at the end of the day, it is a fully risk weighted net present value calculation that drives our decision making. As you've heard me say many times, astute allocation of capital is our paramount value. Okay. How advanced are these? Because you've got four, four projects. Because like, we've also got the Abra Silver. They've been on the show. Good, good, good bunch of guys. Good project, Diablos. Um, what's the timing on these? When's, what's your expectation of when revenue starts to flow? I believe Getatepi will be in production in a month. Okay. And that's the front-loaded one that really drives the early cash flow on this uh, portfolio acquisition. There's $18 million in deferred payments. So this portfolio was built in a similar manner to the way EMX built its portfolio by selling projects and getting payments coming in. And we've discussed this before about how you're getting paid to create royalties. So there's stage gate payments, share payments, et cetera. This particular portfolio, we as the owners of it um, have an incipient collection of $18 million across that portfolio as various um, uh, purchase prices come in over time for projects that have already been sold. And if those payments don't come in, we get the project. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, the, 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 so, 
teppy is get a teppy. Yeah. Get a teppy is imminent. Um, yes. Yanni Pizar and Diablos timing in development. Mm-hmm. Meaning Good within aspects. the next two years. Uh, I. You can't say. Read, read, read the paperwork. Where is this paperwork? Possibly. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and and I will say this, right? I, I know it's frustrating, um, as as you are aware. Uh, our lawyers are pretty strict with respect to what they expect me to say or not say. Um, there are things that I can probably divulge greater after we've closed the transaction, and then there's certainly much more elaborate discussion that I can have once we filed royalty 43101s on the material assets, which will be forthcoming. Right. And uh, how long will the 43101 process take? So I think that we'll be able to start to disclose much greater information uh, right after close, which I expect to be in about a month. Okay. And then for coming from that a few more months after that, and and with, with greater public disclosure, we can go into greater details and talk about forecasting cash flows as we go into 2022, which is going to be a pretty interesting year for EMX with the uh, Team Oak project coming online, Balia coming online, Getatepi coming online, other projects within our portfolio producing nicely. Um, 22 is going to be a very interesting year for EMX. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's the bit. I mean, look, we could probably go, th- I could go through the resource stage stuff, the exploration stuff with you. I'm probably going to get a similar answer. So I won't trouble you now, but I will in about a month's time, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the market would, is one excited that you've gone and made such a bold move. You, you, you've gone quite big, it, you know, which hasn't been the modus operandi over the you know past mm-hmm. couple of decades. Um, You've spent the money. I know you've got a facility with Sprott here and to, to allow you to continue doing what you normally do. But this is a game changer for you. I think the number of people are going to look for is some sort of forward guidance on the revenue for, well, potentially 2021, actually, if you're saying getting into production soon, but 2022 and 2023, because it's going to be meaningful for you. I mean, significantly meaningful for you. Significantly double digit millions, yes. Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, you know, there's no called strikes in investing. And so we don't need to worry about being struck out by guys throwing strikes across the plate. We're able to just stand there at the plate saying, throw another pitch. And and we don't have to swing until we see the one we like. So we took our time and I did have uh, investors that were frustrated over that. Uh, um, you know, they thought that we could go to the Walmart royalty store and buy royalties. <laughs> we were not willing to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, so we took our time, waited till we saw the pitch that worked. And as you've heard me say before, I thought that, that the more likely scenario for us to be able to really land a transformative portfolio would be where the seller wants to participate in the upside by taking equity in EMX, where they see the potential for EMX to be re-rated and would also like to see the flow of projects that emanate from our generative portfolio. So there's a lot of synergies here. As I said, we're delighted to have SSR as a incipient shareholder and look forward to working with them in the future. And that was, uh, I think, one of the key catalysts that enabled this transaction to work. I believe that. I think the balance seems better. The balance between the generative component, which has this longer tail Mm -hmm to it, which is, you know, yep. where you came from. But the balance feels better now, which 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 is the bit that intrigues me about why I'd like to understand these numbers mm-hmm. once the deal's closed, et cetera. You know, so um, definitely want to have that conversation with you. Just, and, and one, you know, small concern, okay, which, which is mm-hmm. SSR, they wanted to partake in equity because it's the only way that you could get, get this deal done because you spent your cash, hadn't you? 
right? Is there going to be an overhang on your stock as a result of SSR perhaps just dripping, feed, feeding the market with your stock after the four-month hold is up? So they are allowed to do that if they wish. Uh, I'm, I'm not of the opinion that that's what their intent is at all. Um, and they, you know, they mentioned that their desire to be an EMX shareholder in their press release, I believe. They did. But that doesn't stop mm -hmm. the behavior, you know, of, yeah. of selling you know, into the they, market. They can, right? and it's a free market, and they're willing or they're welcome to do so if they wish. I don't believe that. Um, uh, I don't believe that's their intent. But I can't speak on their behalf on that subject. Uh, the um, uh, I believe that we have other capital partners uh, that supportive of EMX. That if we needed to raise additional monies for this deal, if we would have, or for future deals, uh, that. We have the ability to do that. We've got a good reputation with capital um, uh, players and that are supportive of EMX now and in the future. Right, and does that mean that those those supportive partners could, if SSR did want to start selling down in blocks, would come and support you? Hypothetically, I, I you know, I I, I can't um, guarantee that. Okay, okay, right. I yeah. think they. But you see how our stock trades. Yeah. You know, we, our, our volumes have done well in New York Stock Exchange. Uh, we have broad support and a good reputation. Okay. Well, I think the key word out, out of today's conversation is transformative. Um, yeah. Change the shape and color of the company. I'm intrigued by what's to come next. What is to come next, actually? Go on. So we're, we're pouring fuel on the fire. That's what we're doing. And, and just to further elaborate on what you already identified right there, uh, we had a paucity of near-term cash flow, which is something we've been criticized for for a long time with a wealth of optionality and incipient cash flow coming from the portfolio. This acquisition fits like a glove in that it's front weighted with that 10% NSR at Getty Tepe. So that gives us the powerful cash flow over the next three years, whilst the rest of the portfolio matures. So this was the right one for us. It was the right pitch across the center of the plate. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.